0: Welcome to the Course Creators MBA podcast. I'm your host Destiny Kopp and in this podcast we're covering actionable tips to grow your online course business. And I have a special guest with here with me today. Her name is Leslie Cavio, and Leslie is a personal friend of mine. We were actually chatting a few minutes before, before, before we started recording and we're just talking about all sorts of things and um, probably mistakes that I've been making in my email list. So I'm sure this is going to be a, a very interesting conversation. And Leslie has over eight years of online business experience and she knows what it takes to grow an email list, get people engaged, and turn subscribers into customers who buy your products that they rave about to all of their friends. And Leslie, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm so happy to have you and I can't wait to hear what you have to say.
1: Yes, I am so excited to be here. And email marketing and strategy, as not sexy as it sounds, is one of my favorite things to talk about. I know that social media Instagram, Pinterest, all those things sound so super sexy because everybody sees them online. Uh, You know, they're very image-based and they're pretty, but email marketing is so powerful. Um, So therefore, it's, like I said, it's not super sexy,
0: but when you start making money with it, it kind (laughs) of (laughs) is. Yes, for sure. it's very important for all the course creators who are listening here today. So... But before we get started, and I do have some very specific questions to ask you, but before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your journey, and how you got to where, you know, what you're doing today and focusing out on email marketing.
1: Okay, I will. Now, my husband always tells me I'm very long-winded, and I like to tell really long stories, so I'm going to condense this as much as possible. So I found out going back to Pinterest about blogging through Pinterest when I was a stay at home mom. So I started an online blog and very quickly I had Blog posts go mega viral, and when I talk about mega viral, I was hitting a million page views within my first year, and one of those posts that went mega viral was about a DIY fix to my underwire bra, funny enough, and so, of course, you know, once I got bit by that blogging viral bug, I thought, what a great idea. I'm going to launch a product. I have all this traffic. I had this huge social media presence so you know why not why not just launch a product people are surely going to buy it well destiny i was wrong by the time I was, you know, got the product developed and I was ready to launch it, all that traffic had come and gone. And even though there was still traffic coming to my site and I had that Facebook page, I had no direct line of contact to the people that were really interested in that solution. They were nowhere to be found. So when I hit go or when I hit launch on the um, actual product page, I thought I was gonna be a millionaire overnight you know you hear about all those overnight success stories (laughs) yes you do (laughs) (laughs) well I just want you to take a guess because I love asking people to to just you know tell me how many products they think or how many of my product they think I sold that night how many do you think I sold on
0: day one Uh, well how many people were on your list at that time well, I didn't have one.
1: That's kind of the
0: subject of the oh, story. Okay, <laughs> so it's a little bit of a trick question, I guess, for me. So I'll guess 100. You are so kind. No.
1: I sold one. I sold one that night. So I was going off of traffic to my site, and I was going off of Facebook, and, you know, Instagram, Facebook ads, none of that was around at the time, because it was several, it was about I don't know, like eight years ago. Maybe Instagram had just started. I didn't have a presence there. I don't know how old Instagram was, but I had no email list. So I was devastated. I had my mom who had invested in the product, I had my husband who had it. And I just remember sitting on my or sitting at my kitchen table with this product everywhere. We were ready to fill orders. Like I had everybody standing by. And I was just like, what the heck went wrong? So after that, after having kind of like a mini breakdown, I started really researching like how to properly launch, like how to properly gauge interest and engage with people and make sure that a launch would be successful. And that's when I started finding out that the email list was the most important aspect of a successful launch because you are able to have that direct line of contact with those people who are interested in what you have to offer at any time. So you're not relying on traffic, you're not relying on, you know, an algorithm or anything like that. And plus, if I would have had a way to capture all the people, all those millions of people that came to my blog, um, that were interested in the product, if I would have captured them on the email list, then sure, they probably would have been interested in buying, but I didn't do that. So that's when I started on my mission to figure out everything I could about email marketing, but not just about growing a massive list full of people. I wanted to figure out how to make email marketing as profitable as possible. And I learned how to um, create a system that attracts the right people that are not just um, there to seek out freebies, but are also going to convert as buyers. So
0: that's an important point and definitely wanna dig into that with you today. The first question, though, that I have for you, and we talked a little bit about that before we actually started recording, but, and you've worked with clients who have had, you know, 20,000 on their list, you know, maybe even more, 50, 100, but you say that list size does not necessarily guarantee launch success. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and what somebody with, you know, whether your list is small or whether you have a pretty substantial list, what can you do to guarantee a successful launch for your online course? Yeah. So the number on your list is actually not the most important metric that you need
1: to look at. It's actually the engagement, the quality of your list. So if you have 50,000 people on your email list and they are not opening and engaging with your with your emails, then that's actually not very valuable to you. That means that people aren't going to buy. If you have a smaller email list and they're all opening, or 95% of them are opening your emails and they're very much connected and engaged with you and they're your, they're your ideal customers, then you're gonna have a much more successful launch than those people with these big lists that nobody's
0: engaging with. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So I guess what, let's just say that I have a list Uh and um I you know have been building it for a while maybe it's you know a few thousand let's just use that as an example but my open rates are definitely lower than what I would like them to be what would you suggest you do to you know kind of build that engagement
1: okay so a couple of things so first of all I'm gonna just tell you some of the mistakes people make. You wanna make sure that the first thing you do is not focused on growing your list first. You wanna set up the systems in place first before you focus on growth. So in my program, we don't even worry about growing our list until we put all the automations in place to nurture our list first. So we create what what I call is the ideal incentive. So we create our freebie first, it's attracting like the, our best customers, our best audience, and then we're going to nurture them as they come on our list. And you don't want to grow your list until you're able to nurture them right off the bat. Because if you're just putting people into like your little uh, database or your little email pot and you're just letting them sit there with nothing going to them, they're just going to go cold, and then it's just a waste of money that you've spent
0: growing that list. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you you don't you you have this awesome freebie uh-huh. and they sign up for your your list um your email list what in terms of nurturing them how do what is what are you what are your suggestions on that how would we go about doing that so i typically do a
1: uh, at least a three or five day nurture sequence three is typically you know pretty good it just depends on your audience on, on your audience and you really want to keep your audience in mind when you're creating that like for instance I have one student whose audience are busy moms and she's saying you know I really don't think that the, that my moms are taking the actions I want them to inside of my nurture sequence and I said well you know tell me a little bit more about what's what's inside of you know one of the emails and she explained and it turns out that it's just really long very text heavy emails and I said well no busy mom is going to read like a 500 word email so keep the um the content inside of each one of your nurture sequence emails you know um in relation to the type of audience you have. So if, you, if you're targeting busy moms, make sure that they're short and they're able to consume the content quickly. You wanna make sure that at least in the first one that you're introducing yourself and telling them why they want to follow you, like what, what valuable information you're going to provide. And I really like to be entertaining because you really wanna stand out in this crowded online world, okay? Um, the other two are just, again, providing value. You can definitely open a loop at the end of the email and let them know to um, come back tomorrow because you're going to give them something else. I like to, to give more freebies each day. And again, this is creating brand awareness and ha- really getting them to get to know who you are and why they need to pay attention to you and what value you're going to give to them.
0: Okay. So we, um, you know, set up our nurture segments, and let's just say we feel pretty confident with that. What do we do after that? Okay, so the next step is
1: engaging with them, and I like the rhythm of a weekly newsletter. Now, some people will send five newsletters a week. If you have, if you have an in- indication that that's what your audience wants, and you have the bandwidth to do that. Go for it. I personally like the rhythm of once or twice a week. It just depends on your goals. Um, But you definitely, in my opinion, once a week need to stay in front of your audience with a newsletter. And some people get a little antsy. They're like, oh, nobody reads newsletters once a week. But it's just like anything, you have got to stay in front of your audience. Just like on Instagram, just like on Facebook, you need to to stay there in order to create awareness to be able to be in front of your audience. Now, everybody's not going to open your email the day it's delivered. They may come back through and read it a day later or two days later, and that's just fine. But I would say stay on a steady rhythm of once a week delivering that high value content with your newsletter to keep your audience engaged, and you'll be surprised if you're writing really great content that's engaging and that's really providing value, and I know I'm saying value again and again and again, but people want entertainment, they want, also to be educated and they want value, if you're really doing a good job curating newsletters that provide those things, people will read them and they will respond to them. That's another thing I teach is getting people to engage with your emails just like you do when you're curating posts for Instagram or Facebook. Like I'm so about using email to to, um, encourage engagement,
0: encourage responses as well. So what are some things we could do to encourage engagement? Just give it, can we get some examples? Yeah. Ask questions.
1: So at the very end of my emails, Whatever subject I'm talking about, I will ask the audience, or my readers, a question. Now, a couple of tips for your newsletter. You don't want to talk to the people uh, on your list like they're a group of people. You want to talk to them like they're one person, like they're your friend. So um, write to that Person, just like you're, t- like I'm talking to you, Destiny. So, hey, you know, I was thinking about you the other day, and you know, blah, 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 blah. And so, I just really would like your opinion on this. What, were, what were you thinking? And blah, blah, or what are you thinking about this? And whatever, like, pose it just like you would be writing to a friend, and people will respond. And here's the thing about responses: you get so much valuable market research information. From the replies in your emails and the difference between replies and emails and then social media responses is that these are private and so people are a lot more willing to disclose a lot more detailed information through email than they typically will on social media
0: all great points so we've done our nurture segments we're let's just say that we're doing our weekly newsletter what when would we be ready to actually sell to them well, it, I
1: mean, honestly, it doesn't take too awful long if you have an engaged, nurtured community. So if you're ready to, if you're wanting to launch, I mean, you can go into a launch um, six weeks, eight weeks, any, anything like that. Now, if you already have a product that you want to embed into your nurture sequence, you can introduce a product in your nurture sequence if you want to, or, or a service you can do that up in the nurture sequence or in any of your emails as well. It just depends on which one you're doing it if it's a launch or a nurture or or you already have an existing product you can sell um either way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So in that nurture sequence, it you would you say it's important to let people know, you know, how they could work with us or how we can help them. Is another way to put it. Yep, you can absolutely do that. Um I typically like
1: to, um, you, you can weave it in the first email, but you definitely don't want to do like a hard sell in the very first email because it can be a little bit like, okay, wait a second. I don't know you yet. You can definitely like start introducing the fact that, you know, like I'll say things like even in this interview where I'm talking about my students, but I've never mentioned like the exact name or go by my course or anything. Does that make sense? Like you can weave in the fact that my coaching clients so that they're, they're subconsciously learning that you're offering services yet. You're not directly hard selling them in that first email, but by the third email you can do book a call or here's the link to my sales
0: page. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. How do we know if we have a healthy list? Like, you know, and I'm thinking about my own list of personal, you know, from a personal perspective, I'm wondering, is my list healthy or are there some things that I need to do to, um, you know, help increase engagement or, you know, you know, anything else? Well, the first thing is
1: you kind of will have this like, <laughs> you'll, you'll know if you're not sending anything out on a consistent basis, you pretty much know that your list is suffering. Um, and and I, don't know, I don't know if you fall in that category, but I'll work with clients and they'll say, well, I know that my list needs some work, and that's already like if you're already telling yourself that, then you already know that you you have definitely neglected your list. So if you are not keeping up with it consistently, then that's a key indicator. Um, but that's just that's just you, and that's not even based off of any type of metrics whatsoever. <laughs> the second the second indicator is um, looking at your open rate. So if your open rate and, and I don't like giving hard and fast numbers because it's a little bit different for every industry, but you definitely, you know, 10%, 12%. I mean, we really like to try to get our open rates above 20%. 30% is excellent. Um, So we really want those higher open rates. If they're not up there, then that's when you want to do like a re-engagement for your cold um, email email subscribers and then end up, um, deleting the ones that are not reengaging. Um, another way to tell if your email list is, um, is healthy is the amount of people that are responding, that are telling you, you know, um, Gosh, I really love your email. Or that one really moved me today. Or gosh, that was so funny. The, resp- the replies and responses you're getting. So the more, um, the more that people are responding, the better. And also looking at the click-through rates. Like if you're um, if you're asking people to take action and they're taking actions, then that's a key indicator that um, you have a you have a
0: healthy list. So you talked about. Um Looking at the cold subscribers, what do you suggest that we do um, for that? How often should we review that and if we have uh, you know a good portion of our list that are that have been identified as cold, what should we do so depending on the
1: size of your list and how fast it's growing will depend on how um, frequently you need to um, clean it. So if you're running ads and it's growing pretty rapidly, you typically will want to clean it a lot faster. It might be every month. It might be every two months. But if you're having a little bit of a slower uh, slower growth and it's growing organically, those leads are usually a little bit more qualified. So you can do that more on like a quarterly basis. And it depends on your system that you can, you can segment out your cold subscribers. And what I like to do Is send something of high value to them. It can be a new freebie, it could be an old freebie, it can be just something to pique their interest. What I don't like doing is sending out, do you still love me? Are you breaking up with me? I hate guilt guilt tripping people. Like I just don't like it. And that's the thing, that's a tactic that a lot of gurus teach. And I'm just maybe I'm on, (laughs) maybe I just I don't know. This is not my thing. I don't know if you've ever heard that one or
0: you've gotten it. Anywhere. I've actually gotten those type of emails before, and that's when I really do hit delete on them or unsubscribe, I should say. I think that's a surefire. I'm, to me, it's like,
1: why even send them? Because everybody I've ever talked to says that's the, first, that's the best way to get me to unsubscribe. So it's almost like, why not just delete everybody from your list? your cold subscriber list (laughs) because it's like, I don't know anybody that's like, oh, sure, let me re-engage, I don't get it. So to me it's like, why not do something more authentic because if people are really, if if the goal here is, maybe they were busy and they forgot about you, then maybe we should do something to get them to re-engage, so why not do what we did in the beginning and provide them something of value again and remind them of why they signed up with us in the beginning and guilt tripping them to re-engage to me seems very counterproductive right because at the end of the day what we want is high quality leads so what I suggest is you know providing something of value it doesn't have to be a freebie it can be a conversation or a p- or a or, uh, you know, content within the email that reminds them of why they signed up, a link to an article or to a blog post or to a Facebook Live video that was valuable. reminding them of why they got on the list um in the first place and getting them to re-engage that way and typically you send um, a couple of these out so uh usually about three of them two or three of them and if they haven't engaged in any of these then they're pretty much considered dead I don't want to I mean that's kind of morbid but you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. then um you'll go ahead and delete those leads they've obviously um could have been that you were that that you were providing something just for um, trying to get get subscribers in. I've had a lot of people tell me recently, oh, I was pr- I was just creating these freebies just to grow my list, and I know that I just got a bunch of freebie seekers on here. So really, could be that those were just freebie seekers, and now you've got them off their list. So it's kind of like a good
0: thing, and end. So so let's talk about that a little bit more because I, I think, you know, everybody listening here is probably interested in growing their list. So let's just say that we've, you know, put in kind of the foundation that you've talked about today. So we feel comfortable with that. We feel strongly with that. And now we need, we're interested in growing our list. Um, and we don't want to grow it with what you said with the freebie seekers. So what would you suggest that we do? Okay, perfect. So
1: Laying the foundation is the most important part because we I'm just going back over this because you don't want to spend all this time and money growing the list and then have nothing to serve them because all those leads will go cold. So just reiterating that to make sure that everybody understands that growing the list is important but only once you have the, the systems and the consistency ready to go and everything in place. Okay so now we're ready to grow the list and we don't want just Anybody getting on our email list and what I see happening so often is that people are like, okay I'm just gonna create all these random freebies that have nothing to do with my offer Like with my paid thing with my service Just so I can get people on my list because what I hear a lot of people saying is I and this is what I'm figuring out is that so many people think they have to have this list of 10,000 people because what they're all being told is that your list will convert at 1% when you're ready to launch, right? And so that would mean 100 people would be buying. This is what I'm thinking, that, that this is why everybody's thinking that 10,000 is the benchmark, right? Well, it doesn't work that way if you're filling your list full of people that are just seeking out freebies or you're, you're putting out freebies that have nothing to do with the end offer at the end of the day. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. So and I actually think one percent is low, so but me you too. Know.
1: me too. I think mean, it's crazy. I'm like,
0: why would you shoot for one percent? That's just stupid.
1: Yeah. So, so instead, we need to figure out what our offer is going to be. and you, even if you don't have an offer yet, you you should know kind of like what it is that you specialize at and what it is that you like a broad idea of what the end game is going to be right? And so come up with a high quality um, freebie that is going to bring people in that's going to qualify them for that paid thing um, at the end of your funnel, even if the funnel's not created yet, okay? And so even if that means that you're only getting three people in, we're going to focus more on building the relationship with them and really understanding what their need is so that we can create that perfect offer for that small amount of people so that we're not converting at 1%, but we're converting at like 10 to 20%.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me ask you this. And this is, you know, this is just an interesting question to me because I've kind of tested various things in my business. So I have some, some thoughts on this, but what, what type of lead magnets do you think are working best today in our environment? Um, B2B and maybe even B2C. Meaning like, Printables, video. Yeah, I mean, is it like a masterclass training as a lead magnet? Is it like a roadmap or, a, you know, a checklist, cheat sheet? What are you seeing that's working? Of
1: okay, so I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to tell, I'm going I'm to kind of like uh, frame this a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. So leading people, cold traffic, just strangers, straight to a freebie is working less and less, okay? <clears throat> what is working better is building a relationship first through content, so through, through Facebook Lives, through relationships in your Facebook group, through podcasts like this, through, um, other, through just content in general on IG or Instagram, Instagram stories, and then leading them to any type of high-value freebie. Okay. So it's not necessarily what type of freebie is working the best. It's what type of relationship are you, or, or, and what type of trust are you building first before the freebie? That's what's working the best is creating content and relationships first before shoving freebies in people's faces. Does that, does that help?
0: Yeah, I love that. Uh, and that's, um, that makes complete sense to me because I mean, in, just in my own personal business, I feel like people will, you know, go to your masterclass or go to your training or or download your lead magnet once they know that you can help them, right? Because them sitting through a training, I mean, that's a lot of their time and they're not gonna invest that unless they really know that it's worth their time. So that's an excellent point that you made.
1: Yeah, so it's not necessarily like what type of freebies work. I can tell you one, I'll tell you in a second, which one is going out the door and is not working well, but, uh, but the majority of freebies, um, like the, the method of delivery, audio, video, um, printable, those all work. It's, but the way in which they're, um, pre- print presented is different. Like no, like people are so over being um, inundated with free stuff. They're sick of it. Like there's just so much of it out there. So it used to be, it, it was like, um, an email address was a, was currency, and it still is and people were a little were a lot more giving of that currency. first, it was just sign up for my newsletter, and people were like okay sure here here's my email address here 's that currency exchange. Then it was like, okay, well, now they 've upped the Annie now you have to give a freebie in order to get the email address Well, now the annie's up even more, and it's like now you need to provide me with some valuable." Free content, like you need to build my trust and relationship. Be it with some Facebook ad content first, it might be some some Facebook live videos, it may be some, um, I don't know. Uh, Anyways, just like some sort of free content before they're willing to give your free thing a chance. So the ante is raised. Freebies are not going away. It's just the it's just people are being a lot more selective about who they're actually going to download freebies from.
0: Excellent point. Um, is there any other tip or anything else that you would like to tell the audience about today related to email marketing that we haven't covered?
1: Yeah. So I did say that there was one freebie that, um, Oh yeah, yeah. You got to tell us that tip. Okay. So, about five years ago the free printable or the free library was um, a big thing and i will say that we are seeing that the libraries are the biggest source of um, attracting freebie seekers that are not converting to paying customers now and so we're seeing a lot of people disassembling their free resource libraries and making it so that um People have to work harder for getting those downloads. So no longer are those those people converting. My friend Jennifer Priest gave me a really great quote. She she and this is she said this is her thing that she tells her clients: once you have once you start organizing your content that's when people have to start paying for it. So if it's organized in some sort of portal, then that's when people start paying a membership fee for it. And I was like, that's so smart. That's <laughs> so true. But we are seeing that the membership freebie model is no longer con- converting very well for, um, for people going from subscriber to, to customer, so
0: yeah. You know, I didn't even think about that. Cause that's never really been on my roadmap to provide, but I can see why those type of people that sign up for something like that would never convert or would never buy your online course because kind of, they have already gotten all your content. To a well, they of- do,
1: they do one of two things. They go in, they download everything. Cause it's super easy to do. It's so organized, but boop, 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 go in, shoop, download everything and then they unsubscribe or they just have, they, you're bringing in people with the mentality of I can get everything I need online for free. Why do I ever need to pay? Regardless of if that fact is true or not, because we all know that everything that you're teaching for free is not in that free library, but that is the type of mentality, the mindset that we're attracting to that type of library. And I see it again and again and again when I'm serving the, my clients' um, subscribers that are offering these free freebie libraries. That's the mentality we're attracting.
0: So note to everybody who's listening here, that is one free giveaway you do not want to put together.
1: Yeah, they used to work, they used to yeah. work great, and there, there's a lot of people that had really great success. And again, there's always exceptions to the rule, because I know somebody will be like, it's working great for me. There is always an exception to the rule. So if it's working great and you're making millions, Kudos, great! But we're seeing, and, and I say we are because I talk to a lot of other people that do the same thing that I do. We're seeing that that for the majority of us, they're not working well. And speaking of, I do have a free free printable library on one of my sites that is coming down
0: <laughs> because it's not working. Well, let me ask you this: I know you have an online course It's related yes. to email marketing. You can tell us about it in just a second. But what do you, what uh, lead magnet? what, you know, how do people go through that funnel? What's your, what, what is your primary lead magnet?
1: So I have two right now and one is a getting, oh gosh, now I'm thinking it's the getting started with email marketing. Maybe that's the title or the ultimate guide to email marketing. Uh So that's one of, that's one of my lead magnets and it's on my homepage and it's, you know, Kind of talking about the myths that we talked about today and the foundations and the other one I also offer through Facebook Ads is 25 fast freebie ideas and But within that it's also it's a quick list, but it's also Dispelling a lot of myths and getting people over a lot of these mindset beliefs and just going into that really quickly because a lot of times people are like well what the heck should I be offering as a freebie and we won't go into too much detail but A lot of times I see people offering, um, you know, things that don't make complete sense to what their end offer is. Um, And we really want to make sure that we're making sense to what we're offering at the end. So even if I'm giving a list of 25 fast freebie ideas inside of that, Uh, freebie, I'm also helping them understand the importance of having an email marketing strategy and helping them um, understand some of the false or the falsities or the myths that are out there so that they really want to move into my nurture sequence and start
0: opening those emails. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So they they go to the lead magnet that you just describe and then throughout your nurture sequence is that when you introduce your free master class training and I'm assuming that you have it I, I, I yeah have-
1: I do I do have a master I have a free master class so once they go through my nurture sequence I'm providing value for I think it's five days I believe it's day six that they get invited to, to my master class I do think there's a there is also a link within the PDF if they want to join there as well so yeah
0: that's exactly that's exactly how my Funnel works okay, perfect. I love that. And Leslie, can you tell people where they can find you if they want to learn more about email marketing?
1: Yes, they can. Yeah, so I'm at leslieclavijo.com, and um, I'm sure that you can put that in the show notes because my last I definitely will, so everybody (laughs) knows how to. (laughs) to (laughs) But on Facebook, I have a group called the Launch Room, and that is where we learn about um, profitable email marketing so that. Um, just so I lay this out here, the, one of the most important things to do is to make sure that your email list is engaged before you launch your course or else you'll find, this is where so many people get frustrated is that they spend so much time on the building of their course and then they neglect their, their um, email list and then they go to start sending emails and nobody is interested because you've neglected them. You forgot about the relationship there. And so Um, my launch strategy is all based off of keeping that list engaged and nurtured and building those relationships there. So you can find me um, on Facebook at the launch room.
0: Very good. And both of those links, Leslie, I'll make sure that they are included in the show notes. So the folks listening here today can find you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and bye for now.